John, that, that group can make anybody leading them look good, can't they? <laughs> there they go. <laughs> I think they could even make me look good if I knew how to do this. <laughs> can you remember one of your childhood birthdays or Christmases when you got exactly what you wanted, exactly what you asked for? And after you got it, was it everything you expected it to be? Did it live up to the expectations you had built about it? One of the characters in the play, Inherit the Wind, tells another character named Bert about an experience he had as a little boy. He would stand outside the general store and dream about the rocking horse that stood in the shop's window. The horse's name was Golden Dancer, and Golden Dancer became his fantasy, his dream. He was seven years old, and he considered himself to be a, quite a good judge of rocking horses, and Golden Dancer was the absolute best in his eyes. There was none to compare. He began to say, if I had Golden Dancer, I would have everything I would ever want. The rocking horse had a bright red mane, blue eyes, and was gold all over with purple spots. He said when the sun hit the horse's stirrups, she was a dazzling sight to see. But the boy's family was poor, and they couldn't afford to buy him such a gift. In spite of that, one birthday he woke up, and there was Golden Dancer at the foot of his bed, and he was overjoyed. He couldn't believe that his dream had come true. He said he jumped on the rocking horse and began to rock with all his might, and a terrible thing happened. It broke. It split right in two. The wood was rotten. The whole thing was put together with spit and sealing wax. And so he said, Bert, Whenever you see something bright, shining, perfect-seeming, all gold with purple spots, look beneath the paint. Look beneath the paint. Sometimes the things we so desperately want don't live up to their promise once we get them. Once we have them, we oftentimes find ourselves disappointed, even if they are well-constructed. The new begins to wear off. The, the, they soon lose their luster. Over time, they even wear out or break or fail. But there is at least one gift, the Bible says, that never fails. And it's a gift that we can give others because we ourselves have received it from the Lord Himself. I invite your attention with me this morning to the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, a well-known passage of Scripture. The Scripture text is focused primarily on verse 8, but because it's a short chapter, such an important subject, uh, I want to go ahead and read all of chapter 13 uh, this morning to give it the context that it needs and to remind us what chapter 13 tells us. So if you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the Word of God, where Paul, at the very end of chapter 12, says, Now I will show you the most excellent way. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, 
I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it isn't proud. It's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thank you. Please have a seat. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian Christians, he wanted to give them something that would last, something solid, something dependable, something that would not fail. They were being distracted by temporal things, temporary things, things that were of ultimately much lesser significance and missing out on the key thing, the gift that never fails. 1 Corinthians 13 is in a lot of ways about the rocking horses that we, that we long for, that we desire in our lives. Paul talked about the transience of several things in this text. And like so many of the rocking horses in our lives, they don't endure. They don't last. Only these three remain. Faith, hope, and above all, love. Paul said love was the gift that would not fail. But a lot of the gifts we desire from God don't last. They don't endure. They don't hold up. Paul specifically mentions three things in verse 8. Prophecies, tongues, and knowledge. Now each of these was, were associated by some in the early church with special spiritual giftedness. And those things were splintering the Corinthian church. They were dividing into factions over these things. They were elevating certain gifts, certain more public, showy gifts above others, and creating this disparity, this hierarchy. Uh, prophecies, tongues, and knowledge were, were three of those. Tongues especially was causing division. And in the context, the broader context of our passage today, 
Paul, beginning in chapter 12 and going through the end of chapter 14, tries to rein that in, tries to correct their overemphasis on tongues and these other gifts. And in verse 8, he explicitly speaks of how transitory they are. They will all pass away, he says. That is, they don't last. How much of what you and I seek from God is just as transitory as that? We ask God for material blessings even though we know they don't last, even though we know they're temporary. The, the laws of entropy dictate that things move from a state of order to a state of disorder. That's why our things deteriorate, why they they age and fall apart. And we know that's going to happen. We know they're not going to last. And even a lot of today's things aren't as durable as they used to be. And when I walk by the, the toy aisle at, at Walmart or some other place, I, it always strikes me how many of the toys for kids these days are made out of plastic. Just plastic, because I guess we live in a disposable society. You play with it until it breaks, you throw it away, and you go buy another one. But it always reminds me of when I was a boy and had uh, Tonka trucks. You remember the Tonka trucks? I, I, they had backhoes, and they had graders, and they had front-end loaders. That's what I had, and dump trucks. And, and they were made out of metal. And I, I, I couldn't wait to get out there in the dirt and move some dirt with my front-end loader. And I moved a lot of dirt with it. I really did. But it was metal. It also had some sharp edges that could send you to the emergency room for stitches if you weren't careful. But we got right back out there in the dirt, stitches and all, to play with those Tonka trucks. But you know what? I don't have any of those anymore. I don't know what happened to them. I, I suspect the paint got scratched. They got left out in the rain and started to rust. The wheels started to fall off. They didn't work the way they once did. And, and even those things didn't last, no matter how sturdily they were constructed. They don't last. What about the other kinds of things we ask for from God? Are they any more enduring? We ask for physical healing, don't we? When we know that unless Christ returns, we're all going to die. These bodies we inhabit will all fail us one day. But we pray for healing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's been said we spend more time praying to keep saints out of heaven than to get sinners into heaven. And there's a truth to that. But Paul says there's a more excellent way. We may even ask for things like the Corinthians did, for spiritual gifts. But even those pass away, the Bible says. The more excellent way, the gift that never fails, that always endures, is love. The gift that never fails. And I want to ask you, in light of the sermon from last week, if you were here and you heard it, I want to ask you, did you give that gift to any of your brothers and sisters this week? Or any of those beyond our doors? Did you pray 
this week that God would help give you a heart more loving toward those around you, especially those that get on your nerves? If you're not really sure what I'm talking about, go online, watch last week's message. It had to do with all of those things. It is a more excellent way. Love is what endures. Now the church at Corinth was falling apart because the congregation had tried to sustain themselves with golden things, with purple spots, and it didn't work. These spiritual gifts served more to divide them than to unite them, it turns out. Tongues of men and angels, Paul says, prophetic powers. If he could understand all mysteries and knowledge, if he had a faith that could even move mountains, generous giving, even offering up one's own life, Paul said, none of those are anything without love. The only gift that endures is love. And love is primary because we all need love. We've been created to need love, to exist in love relationship with our Creator as well as others. Studies have shown that infants can die in hospitals not because of lack of nourishment, but because no one holds them, touches them, cuddles them, cares for them, loves them. We read stories about children in orphanages in places like Russia, Romania, Eastern Europe, where the children never smile, they're emotionally stunted because no one ever holds them or loves them or cares for them. When love is absent, children fail to thrive and often die emotionally if not physically. And adults aren't immune from the effects of an absence of love either. It affects us as well, it affects everyone. Of one of the characters in Les Miserables, the doctor says he is very, very sick. And someone asks, well, what is the matter with him? The doctor says he has all the appearances of someone who has lost a friend, and people die of that. And they do. On the other hand, stories like Beauty and the Beast, for example, are eternally uh, popular. Because when the beautiful maiden professes her love for the ugly beast, a miracle happens. A transformation takes place. The ugliness disappears. Love is what affects the change in the story. Love doesn't see ugliness. Love truly is blind to such things as that, where love truly exists. And so stories like that touch something deep in our souls. They speak to us. They tell us so that we, we intrinsically, instinctively know that love outranks beauty any day of the week. Without love and caring, we can't survive. No wonder Paul said that love has no equal. And we have received that love from God. Well, no, the Bible says God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
The Bible says God demonstrates His love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has given us love in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. He's given us other gifts too, just as He did the, the Corinthian believers. Some of them, but not all, had been given the gift of prophecy. Some, but not all, had been given the gift of tongues. Some, but not all, had been given material blessings. But the, like, just like the golden rocking horse with the bright red mane and the purple spots, those gifts were not essentials. The essential gift was love, and they had all received it. Not all received all the others because they aren't essential, but love is. God gives love to all unreservedly. Without, without withholding. They'd all received it, as have we. And because we've received love, we're expected to give love. We've been given the gift, we're expected to share the gift. As we saw last week, Jesus told His disciples, including His modern-day disciples through His ancient disciples, he said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Three times, love one another in those two verses. As he has loved us. As he's, he's saying in essence, as I have given the gift to you, you share the gift with one another and with others. And as you, as you love one another, the world will recognize that you're my followers. They're not going to think you're my followers because you're on the roll down at the church and show up once in a while. They're not going to know you're my followers by virtue of what sins you condemn or what sinners you condemn. That's not going to tell the world anything. They're going to know you follow me when you love one another. That's what marks us as His followers. And because we have received God's love through Christ, we must now give the gift of love to others. For two reasons. One is because that's how the world knows we're Christ's disciples. It's what marks us as His disciples. But secondly, it's the only gift that lasts. It's the only gift that endures. And it returns to us a whole lot more than it costs us to give it. Exponentially, in fact. And the late Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. They call themselves Crew now. And they have workers and missionaries all around the globe these days. But he uh, told this story about two law partners who hated one another. They had to work together, but they hated one another and didn't get along. When one of those attorneys became a Christian, he asked Bill Bright, he said, Now that I'm a Christian, what should I do? And Bright said, Well, why not ask your law partner to forgive you and tell him that you love him? And he said, I, I can't do that. I could never do that because I don't love him. 
And so Bright prayed with him, prayed that God might soften his heart, change his perspective by virtue of the love that he had received himself. And apparently it worked on that attorney all night because the next morning he went in, he told his partner, he said, I've become a Christian. And why don't I want to ask you to forgive me for all the things I've done to hurt you. And I want to tell you that I love you. His law partner was so surprised, so convicted. He, he, he asked forgiveness too. He said, I want to become a Christian. Can you tell me how to do it? That's what the gift of love can do. Who can you give the gift of love to today? Tomorrow? This week? Every day? As you live in the light of the love of God which has been showered upon us so abundantly that we scarce can take it in. Maybe you've received a lot of shiny new rocking horses over the course of your life. Maybe some you're even still having some fun with, even if they've lost a bit of their luster over time. Or maybe you haven't received those kinds of things. But whatever the case may be, there is one gift that surpasses them all, one gift that you can have if you will just open yourself up Unwrap that gift and trust your heart and life to Jesus. You can receive the love that He's already demonstrated He has for you. It can be yours. And when God's gift of love finds its way into the depths of your heart, you will be as eager to share that gift with others as the Apostle Paul was among those Corinthians 2,000 years ago. Because love is the gift that never fails. Receive it from the Lord and share it with others. Let's pray. God, you have loved us with an everlasting love, a love that astounds us, a love that forgives us, a love that guides us and mandates to us that we love one another. So I pray, God, that we might receive that deep into our souls today, that it might work the power that only love can work within us and inspire us to give that gift to others. God, we don't deserve your love any more than anyone else does, and yet you've given it to us freely, without charge. It's a gift in the truest sense of the word, and I pray, Lord, that we might give it in the same way in which we have received it, free, without charge, without expectation, that this world around us might know that we are Christ followers. For we pray these things in His name. Amen.